4: All
1: right. All right! All right! This, is,
5: this is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Here's In the Bonus with Doug
1: Gottlieb. Woo!
3: What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, the bonus. Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio app. Welcome in. Hope you're doing great. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts live every day from the Tyrac.com studios. Well... Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco were fired today. Um, Jason, you and I are the Charger fans. Um, That was, I knew it would be tough to watch. I had no idea it would be that hard to watch. Like, I had no idea a team could quit like that. In a football game. I mean, I hadn't seen like, look, the Broncos gave up 70 and there was some quitting then. And they obviously they got rid of some dudes. They changed some things and they've turned their season around. But I just what we saw from the Chargers yesterday. Oh, was it bad? And, um, you know, full disclosure, Tom Telesco in the sport of football is one of my closest friends. Uh, I feel terrible for him. Um but I do understand this themselves
6: business. Late in the second quarter.
3: Wait, wait um, what now? Sorry. Uh, yeah, you, you, I yeah. Go I ahead. think
6: it was pretty evident last night. I think the whole world saw a team semi quitting and the head coach had to go. It's just it's strange timing though, isn't it, Doug? I mean, I don't know what the next four games I don't know what what how does it behoove things to do it now? I guess maybe to show your fan base that they're not gonna put up with this or something.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I don't, I just, it, it couldn't go on after that. You can't be down that big at halftime and, and say, Hey, we're going to just keep, keep through rolling out there and try and do better guys, you know? And I understand it's almost an impossible answer to have, you know, but even his answers for, um, his answers for the questions after the game were terrible. I, I think, look, Staley, my guess is that Staley's way of communicating is ultimately what led to his downfall. And, um, you know, look, he advanced really fast. He was a, in Division Three world. I think he was only in pro football for seven years before he got a head coaching job. And, uh, you know, he came over from having a great year with the Rams. And the early returns were good. But th- this is a hard sport, and you got to be able to get those 53 guys, 46 on game day, to believe in what you're selling, to completely buy in. And, again, I don't know because I wasn't there, and neither are you. But the only way something like this goes this bad is if they're just not ingesting what he's what he's he's spilling and the easiest parallel is how he handled himself in press conferences time and again where he would try and just be smarter than people and you know sometimes intelligence can be a curse you know i mean like look at look at dan campbell for example hey, dan campbell doesn't profess to have any sort of cure to cancer he just wants guys to play hard play tough keep fighting till the whistle until the, till the end of the whistle that's what he wants. And his team responded in kind. Now, every team's different, and everybody needs a different head coach. But like last night when he was asked, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you answer the question. I think you can answer it better. You know, does he think he'll be the head coach tomorrow? I don't know. You think he deserved to be the head coach? Yes, based upon three years. I, I think there's, again, a better way to answer that thing. And that's one of the things that Brandon Staley has failed to do. But uh, it's crazy how bad this thing snowballed. And if you think about it, right, you think about it. Had they simply, not, I mean, JC Jackson not made a couple bonehead plays in week one, and I know you're sitting there going like, Doug, they stink. No, but like, look, week one changes everything. Um, but that goes on Telesco. That goes on Brandon Staley. You don't sign, you don't sign JC Jackson as a defensive player for a defensive head coach unless the head coach wanted him, and the general manager has to sign off on the deal. And no matter how well you did drafting a star left tackle, no matter how well you did drafting Chester Herbert, no matter how well you did finding Austin Eckler, you know, Keenan Allen, all those guys are Telesco guys. The fact is that they haven't won nothing, and they haven't advanced in the playoffs. And even Mike Williams, he could have had Pat Mahomes. Right? I love Justin Herbert. If you had Pat Mahomes, the entire landscape of the NFL is different. And they considered drafting Pat Mahomes. They loved him. But uh, that one was, whew. So I guess here's the question. Here's the question. Do you go traditional new GM, new head coach, Ben Johnson type? Or do you say, you know what? What if we gave Bill Belichick a big time quarterback and we did the Patriots West? Which would you do, Chase? Do?
6: Um I? Well, which would I do? I don't, I don't. I don't like either option. You don't? I just. I wish there was something in between. I don't know if that's Harbaugh or what, but um, I don't. They're going. They're going to get the cheaper, younger uh, option, right? That's the history of this I don't front know. office.
3: I, I've heard I, yes of the ownership group. Um, I've heard that, but I don't know if that's true. Remember, next year they're moving to LA. You know they're big on making a splash. I mean, I don't know. Could you could you do better than in terms of resume than Bill Belichick?
6: <laughs> I I just think in a lot of ways the the games passed him by and you
3: can't. Yeah, but if he if he hires Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator, right? I mean, even if he hires Flores as his defensive coordinator, doesn't that, doesn't that suffice? Like, doesn't that a big time staff? Just go all in.
6: I'll tell you what, it would, it would show me a lot of balls from the ownership. That's definitely, because that will be an expensive proposition, and it's probably not going to change overnight, right? No. I mean, that's, that's kind of the sad thing about, uh, and we've talked about this, I think a few weeks ago, for me, is that the, the hope, that it's tough to sell the fans hope on the Chargers. They need, to, they need to scale back on the payroll, and they really are relying heavily on the draft. Um, so, I mean, they need to really pick some winners quick if they want to take advantage of Justin Herbert's, uh, talented years here.
3: Yeah. Um, ha- can you recall anything harder to watch than that?
6: Can I recall anything that's happened like that?
3: Harder to watch than that.
6: Oh, last night? Mm-hmm. No, that was tough. It was like, um, you know, those, I think it was like two or three turnovers in the, in the first quarter. And again if you're just like one of those readers of body language the it it just didn't seem like the players gave a shit and maybe that's just me just being a fan and being frustrated but it the you know the fumbles the interception that led to the, the, the touchdown and everything and you just look at the players and they they just look apathetic and that was that was the brutal part to me
3: that was uh gif smith has been named the interim head coach. He's a outside linebackers coach. Giff Smith. If you had Giff Smith on your bingo card, congratulations <laughs> to you. Is it Giff or is it Jiff? That's the big question. Right. It's G I F F. What do you think? Wow.
6: It's got to be Jiff, right? Like, And then most people say, oh, your name's Jeff. And he, no, no, Jiff. He's constantly correcting people. <laughs>
3: Man, I mean, I, you, you, so your point on Twitter earlier today was that if Tom Telesco had fired, um, Braden Staley after the playoff debacle last year, he'd still have a job today.
6: It sure seems like it, but um, a a a, a Twitter follower that's been a Charger fan much longer than I have. He actually is one of the editors over at the Big lead. He made it clear to me that that that's a John Spanos thing. That John Spanos not only uh, wouldn't allow Tesco to 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 fire Staley in January, that John, did I say Stamos? No, I he say,
3: said no. He
6: John Spanos was the one that hired uh, the head coach, and that Telesco is is just a personnel guy. Um, so I. If that's true, then I guess my tweet is wrong. But it sure seems like loyalty kind of ruined Telesco in this situation. But I I'm not familiar with the dynamic. I I know you know Tom well. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. So did he have any say in the in the Staley hire or decision not to fire him?
3: Well, I'm sure he had some some say in it. But again, I don't I don't know what percentage of it. I mean, everybody I know said he wanted to hire Dayball, and the you know the owner wanted to hire wanted to hire Staley. So, um, and you know, this is, there's a little bit of what we've seen from Pittsburgh where a guy you see in your building, you have a greater appreciation for, you know, like Pittsburgh done with Kenny Pickett, Brandon Staley was in the same building, although coaching with the, um, uh, to, uh, you know, coaching with the Rams in the same building and you know, there you go. That's what happens. So, you know, you fall in love with a guy. He wins the Super Bowl. You're like, that's what we need. We need this young, dynamic, defensive coach, you know, and it, it it's bad. And I also think he was inexpensive, as, as you pointed out. But, yes, I picked the Chargers to reach the Super Bowl. I look like the world's biggest idiot. They got the pants last night and there's not much else really to say about it.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
5: Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton, is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are right? like, you know, there's really Creighton. You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton.
3: Let's get to what the Fox says. And now. (laughs) What does the Fox say? Every day at this time, the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. We uh, play back for you a portion of a previous show on Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports 1. Here's Colin Cowherd on the Chargers. The Chargers,
1: I'm told, have fired Brandon Staley and their GM, my friend
3: Tom Telesco.
1: They fired them both. I feel bad, but they're spending the money on the wrong side. They don't have enough weapons. They don't have a culture. What are we doing? Respect the sport. Respect the culture. Respect head coaching. This was an egregious hire. And then you double down on it. I think they actually have good players. I would have kept the GM. I think they have good players. They made a mistake on a corner in free agency. Free agents hit about 35% of the time. They also got Khalil Mack. He's played pretty well. But, you know, this is you have to get somebody who changes how we view the Chargers. Because, I mean, when you talk about the Chargers, it's like a running joke in the league. This is not just, hey, we're going to solve it with another coach. The right coach. Support Herbert. Get him more weapons. Watch Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, by the way, may be struggling. It's not for lack of weapons. Kansas City has had great weapons. They pay their quarterback a fortune. So now they've got to find new weapons. But they keep adding them. It can be a seventh-round running back. It can be Rasheed Rice. They can go get Ladarius Tony, And Tony can drive you crazy.
3: But it's weapons. It is weapons. And they did come up probably a weapon short uh, at wide receiver, especially, you know, losing Mike Williams hurt. But, you know, you draft a guy and he's not ready and maybe not good enough in the first round. Um, That hurts you. But I mean, like, look, the defense was so bad far too often. And then when the offense had some injuries, hit a rut and you have a first round draft pick that hasn't planned out yet, this is what happens. We, we can blame weapons, but they were a confused defense. I've never seen a team give up so many big plays, ever, in the National Football League. That's why he's out. Keyshawn Johnson said this about the Bills-Cowboys game this weekend. Uh,
7: I think that the Buffalo Bills will win this football game because at home, they're a better football team than you are on the road. Let's face it. I mean, think about it, Skip. You scream and holler about the average that you score on at home. 40 points. Wow, we're the number
1: one scoring team in the NFL. Sort of like 40 to 20 over the last mm -hmm. 15 home games. Yeah. Yeah.
7: yeah. Mm -hmm. And guess what though? On the road, you're only putting up 24 points. That's a that I'm just gonna cut it right down the middle. That's half. I mean I'm cutting it right down the middle. I understand it's not quite half, but I'm gonna give it half, Mm -hmm. whether you want to or not. That's a lot of points. Mm. And then in terms of the turnover differential, your turnovers at home, big time. On the road. Not so good. This says something to me. You got three losses. Guess where those three losses are at? Mm-hmm. On the road. Okay? Obviously, we know about Arizona. Diggs was hurt. Oh, my God, we got to react a certain way. Mm-hmm. He he plays offense for us. But... I thought he played corner. <laughs> you lose <to> Arizona. <laughs> then you go to you go to San Francisco. You know what that's about the forty two. And all those stats you just tossed
1: out and got skewed at San Francisco, right? Everything went wrong.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, everything did go wrong. But we'll see about the Cowboys. You know their their march after the Niners' loss has been really really impressive. But I I think this game is about the Bills. I mean we'll make our picks upcoming, but I think. You know, this is about the Bills getting back to the playoffs, the Bills getting right. Yes, the level of competition continues to race race for the Bills. But I think Josh Allen has it in him. I don't know if the team does. I mean they just held on for dear life to be Kansas City. But my guess is playing at home with newfound momentum, they they, they do. Here's Craig Carton and Greg Jennings about the talking about the Dolphins without Tyreek Hill.
7: Did you guys not, not listen to anything that I just said? Tyreek Hill on the field opens up everything that they do offensively. He is the protection for yeah. a, a, a Tua Tagovailoa. Like be- of that quick outlet, Look, as far as their offense goes, this is what he accounts for. In, 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 regarding the, their he's offense. The offense, he's the offense. He's the offense. He's the he is offense. Offense. Yeah, the offense. Like yeah. when you when you think about this team, if you remove Tyreek Hill, none of what they do works. Like all of who 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 Tua Tonga is is he's the beneficiary of a great guy who has been performing at the highest of levels in Tyreek Hill. Like I get it. You you feel like you can get away with the game because the offense doesn't score in the New York Jets. However, we just witnessed when Tyreek was off the field against the Titans, you were offense that couldn't score and couldn't
2: pretty well, much just couldn't move no the
7: ball. Tyreek like gets hurt, obviously
5: comes back mid-third quarter, but that offense with a banged-up Tyreek kill had a chance to salt that game away after the first fourth quarter touchdown by the Titans. It was their worst loss of And they of the went season. three and out. Yeah. So they gave
3: the ball right back to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They did. They, they absolutely did. Um, I don't know. Like, w- we start comparing all these games and 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 discussing all of these things. And Greg Jennings making really good points about the Dolphins. I think that Tyreek Hill is the most dynamic playmaker in the league. I think Tua Tungabailoa is just a guy. I think he's great within the offense. He gets rid of it quick. He throws it to a spot. And they, go, and they go find the football where they're supposed to be. But you take Tyreek Hill out, and they're so very, very different. Very very different that's what the fox said ah! what does the fox say? let's find out who or what's annoying jason stewart and now it's your
5: annoying
6: now uh doug i think it was earlier in the week you had you'd asked me a pointed question does uh this shohei otani signing um make everything good with andrew friedman for me because i have a complicated relationship with the dodgers front office um and my, my answer was, look, he did a great job with this deal, but I don't like when he lies to us. I don't like kind of his, his pompous uh, attitude about things, my way or the highway. I'm going to win the World Series, my cute little nerdy analytics way, and, and nobody's going to tell me different. Um, so yesterday, Shohei Otani was introduced to the world as a Dodger. Big news around here. Um on our uh, our affiliate AM five seventy, they had Shohei and his interpreter talking, and at one point, Doug uh, Shohei was asked, "Like, what was the point? At what point did you decide that the Dodgers were the team?" And he said that the ownership group and Andrew Friedman in the room all admitted that the last ten years, despite that one 2020 COVID tournament. Have been failures because they didn't win the championship. They admitted to him in that room, and that made an impression on him. I thought that was powerful. Here's the problem: the Dodgers, after every season, have told us fans that it's not a failure. That we did great things during the regular season. That you know, once you get to the postseason, it's a crapshoot. You just never, you can never control what happens in the postseason. Um, so, anyways. Of course, I'm going to take the day of positivity as we were introduced to Shohei Otani and turn it as a negative against Andrew Friedman, and that we have been lied to the past ten years.
3: Um. Okay. I just I don't know how you can. I mean, how are you lied? How are you lied to in the last ten years? Have they won the last ten years?
6: Because he told Shohei Otani and the ownership group that every year, despite the 2020 championship has been a failure because they didn't win the title. When after every single year they've given press conferences explaining to us how it's not a failure, how they won 110 games, how the postseason's a crapshoot, they were lying to us all along. I'm glad they thought what we thought, which was it was a failure, but they just never admitted it to us. That's what's annoying. That kind of, in a nutshell, sums up why I'm not a big Andrew Friedman guy.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, who else? Uh,
6: One of the most interesting tales of the Shohei Ohtani free agency has been the news out of San Francisco. Um, This isn't even reported. This is like out of the mouth of Buster Posey, who was sitting in the room with Shohei at the time. Buster Posey admits that urban decay and concern about crime in San Francisco was a factor in Shohei's uh, decision not to choose the Giants. Wow. Um, So, of course, our guy, Clay Travis, you know, he posts that on on his Twitter. And what I find annoying is the responses to Clay Travis's post. He basically just said, Buster Posey says this. And then the responses are like... Who knew that Buster Posey was MAGA? And let me, let me just ask you this, Doug. Since when has uh, wanting one of our most beautiful cities in the world, actually, wanting it to be aesthetically pleasing and not ridden with crime, why, since when has that been a right-wing platform?
3: Um, it's been a platform here since, uh, in all honesty, Rudy Giuliani. You know, he cleaned up New York City, but uh, it felt like in a heavy handed way. And, you know, by and large, most big cities in the country are Democratic cities. Most big cities have a higher crime rate and the Democrats are, are seen as soft on crime. That, that's I mean, let's let's be honest. That's how it's always pitched. So I do think that I, you're right that it should it shouldn't be a political issue. It shouldn't be a, um, um, a, an issue of what side of the aisle you're on. San Francisco's awesome. It's awful now. And everyone's at least partially to blame. Right. Everyone's partially to blame. That said, um, let's not act like this is not a, a Republican talking point. I mean, if you really don't think it's a Republican talking point about crime in cities, then you're not watching. Uh, you're not watching your news on TV, especially the political news.
6: Yeah. And, and no, I'm not, I'm definitely not uh, ignoring the fact that it's a, that it is a talking point. And I'm not ignoring the fact that when Clay Travis tweets out something, you're, you're going get to get an, get an automatic response from the other side. But I just don't know what like, like level of thinking human being would not want their cities to be safer and cleaner. I don't, that's where, that's kind of where I, I come from.
3: But no question. I, I, I agree. Like, this is one of those, it's, it's, um, it's a lot like for me israel's ability to uh, Israel's ability to defend itself against a terrorist attack like this is not a this is not a republican or a Democrat issue this is a human issue um, so i I don't understand that either I'm with you
6: yeah the um Travis Kelsey lied to us this week. Um, he said this about Kadarius Tony.
5: you can say what you want about. Him being in the neutral zone here and there, he lined up like that all game. Didn't get warned. Blah blah blah. We, you know, don't call it in that position. You can't put you can't put it in in the refs' hands in that position. We've talked about plays like this all the time, especially in critical moments. I love KT. If we get the opportunity again, I'm going to throw that shit right into his chest again. Hopefully, he gets there. Um, and I got all the all the faith in the world that dude. He's one of our best players, man. He's one of the best players we got with the ball in his hands. You turn on the film, you watch what he does when the ball's in his hands, and you can't tell me you don't want that guy in your team, man. So all the all the everybody hating on KT right now, man. I'm not trying to hear that you can you can fucking miss me with it. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm trusting in one nine every time he's out there on the field.
6: <laughs> you could fucking miss me with it. Um, I this is my problem with this. I totally understand that it's a teammate taking up first teammate. I get it. Okay, but. I think there was a sense, too, coming off of that game, Doug, that the Chiefs were so caught up in the referees screwing them, they didn't quite hold Tony accountable for what he did. Maybe behind closed doors this week, they did, but publicly, it was all about the refs, seemingly, right? That's kind of what annoys me about the whole episode this week.
3: No question. The refs, the refs, the refs, the refs, and... You know when the when the Chiefs are a team that has gotten the benefit of the doubt in many ways by most people who, who watch and cover the NFL in officiating at Arrowhead, like it just seems very short sighted of them, very woe is me kind of playing the victim. So I love the cut from Jason from from Jason Kelsey, but I agree with you. Like really, we're going to talk about the refs when he was badly offsides. It's a no brainer.
6: So we'll um, narrow this down the chiefs not really holding Tony accountable and making it all about the refs. Um, people calling Posey, uh, Buster Posey, MAGA, Mm -hmm. um, and Andrew Friedman in general is just annoying. (laughs) Um,
3: I don't know. Andrew Friedman's had a pretty good week. I'm going to go the chiefs complaining about the officials. That that's why are we doing this? Why do I? Because we can. What do we got? Jay?
6: Uh, Mike Vrabel, Titans head coach, I guess Will Levis gets a little loose when he gets out and uh, when, he, when he gets out and runs, he gets a little loose with the football. So uh, Vrabel said this.
5: I don't know. I think uh, we're still trying to work on that. We showed him examples of quarterbacks sliding <laughs> and using the rules to their advantage. I guess we'll have to show them examples of quarterbacks not sliding <laughs> and getting the shit knocked out So... <laughs>
3: We're going to try the, the other way this week. That's funny. That's, that's an awesome, awesome cut. And by the way, he's right. I mean, what the hell is that guy doing? Why can we play it for you? Because we can.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other.
2: Let's welcome him in. He's Bill
3: Krakenberger. Of course, he's a professional sports gambler. Don't worry, kids. He's got this. He's a professional. He does this thing for a. This he does this for a living. Um, let's uh, l- let's welcome him in and crack. Let's get to some of these games. Detroit's taken on Denver. Denver's been red hot. Detroit has hit a bit of a uh, bit, bit or maybe a series of kind of bumps in the road on the path to a, a big time season. Uh, This game is Saturday night on the NFL Network. Detroit's a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The total's 48. I think we'll see a battle here. Back and forth,
8: primetime TV. Detroit loves these type of matchups. You you will have uh, literally, I think, uh, over the 48, but I think we can go well into the 50s here on this game. Detroit's capable of putting up a lot of home-team points, They want to make up for being embarrassed on Thanksgiving Day, too, on national TV in this kind of a spotlight. So uh, I think we have a lot of points from both teams. But if Denver could score like, you know, uh, 17 points, I think Detroit will handle the rest of them. You know, with this particular situation, Denver, Detroit, uh, playoff-wise, they both kind of really need. I shouldn't say Denver, but Detroit really needs this game. They really they have been failing on many levels throughout the last like six weeks when everyone thought they were like one of the top two, three teams in the nation. So, I think we'll find a lot of offensive firepower from uh, hopefully both
3: teams. Okay, well, let's uh, let's skip around the league a little bit here. Um, Let's go to a Sunday game. As Green Bay Packers, welcome in the Tampa Buccaneers. Now, Green Bay lost to Tommy DeVito, uh, Tommy Cutlets, and the New York Giants. Short week, to prepare back home. Um, decent temperatures, too, for a Tampa team that the last time Tampa went in there, they, of course, won the NFC Championship game. Green Bay is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 42.
8: Yeah, Tampa might have been a little bit of a different chemistry and makeup when they went there last time. Uh, though they're playing all right, and they're holding their own. Uh, I'm not saying that Green Bay, real big embarrassment. Uh, I was on them last week. It was just a big embarrassment for them last week losing to the Giants and Cutlets. Like you said, uh, they need this game. They they're they at seven wins and they're they're looking for a playoff destination. People were talking. They were, they were three and six. They won three in a row, and and people were saying how how good they were going to roll along here with uh, Love. They they thought he was in. You know, whenever someone looks so good. They're easy, it's easy to say, and it's easy It happens. They look so bad. Look what happened with the Raiders, uh, literally being involved in one of the lowest NFL games of all time, 3 nothing. The next week they come back and involved in one of the highest scoring games of all time. This NFL, boy, NFL stands for not far long for your bankroll, if you're messing with it seriously. Uh, I don't do a lot of sides here, but I do like Green Bay in this one.
3: Okay, Um Let's uh, let's let's keep it moving here as Bill Krakenberger joins us and a team that um, that's quietly they got a six and seven season and they've been kind of all over the map as the New Orleans Saints right the Saints had lost three in a row but they jump up and meet the Panthers that's the get right game for anybody um, but uh, kind of a mercurial six and seven season now they they have the Giants at home uh, before a short week and they play the Rams on ne- next Thursday. And they, go, they got two road games. Obviously, traditionally, the Saints are much better at home than they are on the road. And, of course, the Giants are coming off a surprise upset with Tommy DeVito. So, do you roll with Tommy Tommy Cutlets, who's a five-and-a-half-point dog? Uh, or do you take the Saints? Or do you you mess with the total, which is 39?
8: Hey, you know, uh, he's getting unbelievable press in New York. And God bless him. You know, a local kid there. Lives real close to the stadium. And supposedly with his parents. I don't know if it was in, his ba- in their basement or whatever. They're out in the the, the family's out there giving away sandwiches in the parking lot. Uh it it was really, a really great great, great situation. It was fun. Now they're going on the road though to New Orleans who, who you know, I guess they they really need the game. I know the Giants are gonna be playing trying to play spoiler role for a couple teams down the stretch here. Uh I'm not real big on laying over three points here, but this particular game's five, five and a half. Uh, I I do like New Orleans in this spot. I think they come back in a a big way. So I'm going against the Giants again and and Mr. Cutler. Unfortunately, uh, I hate this. My my Italian mom would would have absolutely loved this situation. Uh, She she used to love rooting for Italian guys with last names on on teams like Joe Montana. So uh, sorry about that, Mom, but uh, we're going to roll with uh,
3: the Saints. All right, surprise team in the NFL is the Rams. They're at 6-7. They're 6.5-point favorites against the Commanders, 4-9. Total's 50.5.
8: Boy, the Rams really let one get away from them last week. I thought they, were, they should have beat Baltimore and uh they, they, I I made a bet this week for the Rams to make the playoffs taking 2 to 1. I'm going to need them to obviously beat uh, Washington, like you said, with the Carolina team. I'm going to need them to beat up on a a team that hopefully gets beat up here, Washington. Uh, The Rams, I like to lay the points in this one. Also, another rare favorite for me. I think the uh, the Rams are going to be going to step it up and take it out on Washington a little bit this weekend. Uh,
3: Okay, one more. Game of the week, Dallas taking on Buffalo. Total's 50. Buffalo's a two-point favorite.
8: Buffalo at home, you know, normally you could say the conditions would hurt Dallas, but like you said, even in, even in Green Bay and Buffalo, temperatures are expected in the 40s, which is very unseasonable for uh, a, a late December football game. I do like Buffalo in this spot. Dallas have played their Super Bowl last week versus Philadelphia. Uh, Buffalo's been playing much better, looking for a playoff spot, obviously, and maybe even a division title um, and a conference title. So I, I do like Buffalo in this spot. I just make sure you lay uh, two points or less, or, or maybe even go to the money line. The BetMGM, whose sponsors are showing, Sundays, has minus two right now. You want to you, you want to be able to uh, with the analytics that have been coming into play. The four, like you seen last week with Jacksonville down by three, going for. Uh, two-point conversion, the game landed on four. Could have landed on two also. Analytics are starting to play a role in a lot of these games, a lot of these coaches. So I would say Buffalo minus two or less, or even the money line.
3: Crack, you're the absolute best, man. We love you. Bill Krakenberger, of course, you can check him out on Countdown to Kickoff, which is presented by BetMGM. And it takes place every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. They'll take you all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, again, presented by BetMGM. Bill, good luck. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Get to our pick of the day.
8: Okay,
5: sir, the bet is to you. All in, baby. It's time for the pick of the day.
3: Okay, pick of the day is uh is going to come to you, um, from uh is going to come to you from. Let me see here. Uh, college basketball tonight. We got Gonzaga taking on UConn. Gonzaga's at home. They're a four-point dog. Excuse me, I mean at home. They're in Seattle, right? The old battle in Seattle. Uh they're a four point dog in Seattle. Um, last year, remember UConn beat the beat Gonzaga in the Western Regional Final. That's the Elite Eight, eighty two to fifty four. Eighty two to fifty four. Um, and this year's UConn team, not as good, but still pretty good. Still very, very good. This year's Gonzaga team has not yet hit its stride, although they have a lot of veterans. Anton Watson, Nolan Hickman's playing better. Uh, Graham E.K. and, of course, Ryan Nemhardt comes in from Creighton as their point guard. Um, so I, I think um, – um, I think Gonzaga wins this game. I just do. It's like everything we we've seen from these two teams tells you UConn's going to win, but it's played in Seattle. Um, after you know the 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 Bulldogs, that's Gonzaga. The Bulldogs uh, lost last week in in Seattle against UW. This, of course, in the old in Key Arena. I like Gonzaga to, to pull off the upset. That's my pick of the day. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. This is the Doug Gottlieb
4: Show. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.